Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. My name is Ryan Miner. You're listening to A Minor Detail. You can find us on the web at aminordetail.com, or you can find us here tonight, where you're listening now, at blogtalkradio.com slash aminordetail. My colleague, Eric Beasley, Mr. Beasley, I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's up to. He knows that he's supposed to be here. Sometimes Eric falls asleep on Sundays, and he's awfully busy. He does have two very young children, so I'm not sure what the heck Eric is up to. But, man, we have a show lined up this evening that is jam-packed. There is a mayoral race as well as a council race in Hancock, Maryland, in Washington County, the westernmost county in Washington County, my home county. Of course, now I live in Montgomery County, and we're following these local elections, and there's some great candidates running, and there's some not-so-great candidates running, but tonight specifically, we're going to focus on the not-so-great candidates running, and I have arranged um, a very special guest to be part of the show, and he's going to be joining us any moment, and it's former Hancock Town Councilman Dennis Hutzman, and I'm going to patch him in just in a moment, but we're going to be talking tonight about a guy named Nigel Dardar, and if that name sounds familiar, well, it should, because this guy is running for Hancock Mayor against Dr. Ralph Savagno after Mayor Dan Murphy has decided after 20 years to stepped down from his public service, which we thank him for. He was a he's a very decent guy, a good mayor, and someone who served the Hancock community well. But now I'm gonna patch in Dennis Hudson. Hey Dennis, how you doing? Good and yourself? Ah, great. Thanks. I appreciate you joining me and I think you're joining me from the great state of Ohio, is that correct? That is correct. Rocky River, Ohio. Okay. Dennis, welcome. Thanks for joining us tonight, and it was great to connect offline, and we've had some great discussions thus far. Um, I'm happy to hear that you've agreed to come on and just have a chat. It's just fun. It's just imagining us sitting next to each other, Um, but it's online radio, so we can take some flexibilities and have some fun with this. Uh, You were a former Hancock town councilman, and when did you you first get elected? I got elected in... um... 2009, and I served one term uh, till uh, 2013. Okay, but you you recently you're 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 not originally from Hancock, is that correct? No. Okay. And so, what what drew you to Hancock in the first place? Well, I, I took over a business in Hancock called CNO Bicycle in May of 2005. And that's what drew me down there. I've been in the bicycle business for probably at that that moment uh, about 14, 15 years. And I never was an owner of a shop, so this gave me an opportunity to be an owner. Um, I've always managed other stores for other people, but this was, you know, this was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Yeah. So you you moved to Hancock, and were you familiar with the? the small town before you got there um what was your what was your initial connection to it 
actually the connection was all related just to the cycling aspect of it at first. Um, you know, I, I obviously I you know we we me and my wife came down there um, just to check out where it was at, you know, and the proximity of the bike shop and all that. And what drew us down there was obviously the opportunity to take over the shop and obviously and and for the shop to be in close proximity to the Western Maryland Rail Trail and the CNO Canal Trail. Mm-hmm. So we knew once we got down there, we knew it was a small town once we saw it and all that. And, of course, you come home and you research the town and all that. And, you know, everything was good. So what you you got into Hancock. You saw the small town. Now, I used to, I grew up in um, in Halfway, Maryland, which is uh, well. I the first I, the first nine years of my life, I grew up in the city of Hagerstown. I uh, are you familiar with the Hagerstown City Park? Uh, yes, I am. So I grew up across the street from there, and then uh, we my parents they bought a house in Halfway, um, sort of in between Hagerstown and Williamsport when I was ten years old. Then I moved to Halfway, but. Nonetheless, we still had an opportunity to to spend some time going up to Hancock. My my deceased grandfather, they uh, he had a hunting club up in Green Ridge Mountains, so up in Allegheny County. And ever since I was a small boy, he used to take me up to his hunting club, and we would stop in Hancock, the Sheets that is right on the corner. It's like a, it's sort of like the uh, the secondary town hall of Hancock. Um, <laughs> Probably so. for some people, yes. Everybody knows. Everybody who goes to that sheet seemingly knows what's going on inside of the town of Hancock, and that seems to be the go-to spot. And then uh, I, I, and then I started uh, attending um, church services at um, um, the Episcopal Church with uh, Father Alan Weatherholt and my yep. my friends. Um, I have a, one of my best friends. His name is Rhett McCarty, and his yep. father is Father Steve McCarty, who of course is from yep. Hancock. And as a kid, we used to go up to the Park and Dine restaurant, which I think arguably has some of the best home-cooked meals in Washington County. Um, and then, you know, just experiencing that, that small-town feeling. And then we went to the Hancock uh, Halloween Parade. I've been um, to, to, to various spots all over Hancock. The, uh, they have community events in the park. Just a great small-town feeling. And, I, yep. you know, it's, it's a place where... Everybody's made to feel welcome, and everybody seems to be disconnected from the the rest of the county, but that's okay because, look, you have the Blue Goose Market, you have your grocery store, you have your convenience store, you have a couple local spots like Weaver's, and you have a couple, uh, you know, you have a, I think there's even a subway there, I believe. Yep. I think it's still there. Okay. Yep. So, a couple nice bars. Yeah, and of course the one of the big attractions is uh, I love the the canal days. That's one of my favorite events going to the Hancock. Um, and then you have the CNO Canal, and there's just there's a lot to do in this small community. Right. So you moved there, and then you decided that you wanted to run for city council. Why? What made you decide to to get involved with local politics? Well, originally I was a um I was the uh, vice president of the Chamber of Commerce because I was a member of the Chamber of Commerce once I took over the uh, the business. Okay. And then I started going to council meetings, kind of like a liaison for the Chamber of Commerce, just in case they had any questions I was able to answer, or just I was just going just in case, you know. And mm-hmm. I got I started enjoying it, <laughs> going there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I was you know I just started enjoying it and all that. So, um, obviously. Before then, I became a, uh, a resident of Maryland, 
you know, so because I had to change, eventually I had to change over, you know, because it was hard to write checks for grocery stores and all that with an out-of-state driver's license. So started doing that, and <clears throat> one thing led to another, and, you know, I went to Dan Murphy one day, and I said, you know, I know your election's coming up. I know that two of the councilmen have decided to not rerun, and, you know, if you don't think that I'd be, you know, I'm I'm a very supportive of Dan and all that, and I said, if you don't really feel comfortable with me, I get that. That's fine. But if you're supportive of me, I'd love the, uh, the opportunity to run. And Dan Murphy jumped at it, and, you know, he said he'd love to have me run. And, and from there, it took off. So so you won your, your first council race, and you you became a, a sitting town councilman. Uh, yep. But you also had an opportunity, I believe you ran alongside Dr. Ralph Savagno, who's now running for mayor. Is that correct? I think Mr. Savagno was Dr. Savagno was running for mayor at the time. I was running against uh, Nigel, uh, Randy Pittman, and I think the gentleman's name was Jeffrey Radcliffe. Okay. Okay. Those were the four um, that was running for city council or town okay, council. Okay. So. Okay. So then you you got on as well, and then you also came in. This is probably the first time you've come into contact with a gentleman, but I want to use that word sparingly. <laughs> with not Nigel Dardar, Mr. Dardar, well, go ahead. Well, we we actually, you know, at the time we thought it was a great idea. Me, Dan, Dan approached me about bringing on a third member so we can run like as a team, and that was Nigel Dardar. And I met okay. Nigel one time prior to this, like maybe a year prior to that, of running. Um, he just came into my shop and was talking about, you know, maybe I should do this and that and all that, and. You know, about, you know, trying to, you know, push my business out, outside of, you know, Hancock to do like a triathlon and maybe be up a setup, a repair shop. And, you know, took it into consideration, but, you know, the travel was way too far and all that. So that was the last time I really had any contact with him until Dan introduced me back to Nigel. And at the time, Nigel seemed like a, a really fairly very nice guy, but soon after he, you know, the election was over. We found out that we were, you know, dealing with somebody with Doctor Heck, Doctor Jekyll, and Mister Hyde. I mean, it was just really that bizarre. So let's talk a little bit about Nigel, and that's what our central focus is. Because I brought sure. on, I brought you onto the show to give a firsthand account as a as a firsthand source to testify about this person, this individual named Nigel Dardar, who's running for the Hancock Town Council, you've had to interact with him. You've, your colleagues have, of course, had to interact with Mitchell, uh, Nigel Dardar, and you've had, to, you've had some experiences as well as I have, as well as our close friends and mutual acquaintances, the town of Hancock, the people who live in Hancock. And I, we'll talk later about my personal experiences with Mr. Dardar, but so – your first impression when you meet him is that he's an affable, charismatic, kind of folksy, down-home, nice kind of guy. The guy that you, you sort of would want to have as your neighbor, that if anything went wrong, he'd come over and you know lend you his tools, or if you needed a hand shoveling out your driveway, this would be, this would be the all-American kind of guy that would come in out and help you. But then is once you discover and you peel back the onion – you discover that Mr. Dardar 
is not a nice guy at all. In fact, the guy is um I want to say that he's he's temperamental. Um he is very aggressive and there's some sort of beneath the surface there's some very deep-seated anger with this gentleman. And Absolutely. You come into contact with him and he's made the people he's made several lives living hell who live in Hancock good, decent, honest, hardworking people who have committed a, a huge faction of a fraction of their life to supporting the town and building the town of Hancock up. And Nigel Dardar is of course not a lifelong citizen of the town of Hancock, mm-hmm. but it's fair to say that he wanted to involve himself in the town's politics. But this is where things went drastically wrong. And that's what I want you to speak to tonight. So you had an opportunity to serve with him. So my question to you is, what's he like? Well, he's pretty much everything that you just said. Um, uh, Very volatile. Um, And when he gets angry, you you get – I mean, I'm I'm not a nervous person by him. I'm a pretty laid-back guy. I remember once that he went off in a – private council meeting to the point where he just was just yelling at the top of his voice, slamming his fist on the table or on the desk, kicking whatever was underneath the desk. And it got to the point where he got to one point where he grabbed a dry eraser board and just threw it across the room. And at that time, you know, we, the police department very seldom had a police officer. Once in a great while, a police officer show up after that meeting I personally went to Dan and said, "Dan, I don't feel comfortable. This guy, oh my God, what happened?" You're talking about and, the you're talking about the mayor, Mayor Murphy, right? Yeah, Mayor Dan Murphy, and I we just okay. I mean, we just were just scratching our heads and just what happened? And this continued on and on and on. And I mean, if he didn't get his way, he just would snap. I mean, literally just snap. And. So we had TJ, TJ Buskirk, our chief of police, start showing up at the meetings every month because God knows what was going to happen. You never knew. Mm-hmm. You never knew what was going to set him off. What kind of things would set him off? <clears throat> well, if I can tell you one thing, if you didn't, if he didn't, if you didn't agree with what he said, that was one of them. <laughs> Easily. Right. I mean, that was that was usually the key that you know. I mean, that was that usually was that in the meeting. That was it, and. And then you would, it just, it just was unbelievable. Then we would get like emails from whoever he would send out. I'm sure we're probably going to talk more about that later in the show. But yeah, and people have seen some of the emails. I'm sure on your on your post and all that. That yeah. is that is the real deal. I mean, that when you read that and you think, boy, that don't think that that's a one time deal. That is a every time deal that he writes something. It is that creepy. And so wow. It was it was nerve taking. I mean, it really was. At first, it's you know, I never so was. I was like I said, I was intimidated by him. But I tell you what, I didn't like being. Com- I was definitely not comfortable around him. That's for sure. And we're talking about a a sitting councilman, one of your colleagues, an elected official who is duly charged with executing the responsibilities of town activities. When he was a town councilman, and I know. It, and, and this is not to downgrade municipal elections, but as you know, and I'm fully aware, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't take too many votes to win a town election. You, know, you go right. out and you talk to people, you knock on their doors, maybe hand out some literature, do some social media. 
make some phone calls, ask your friends to show up to a meet and greet, and you go out and maybe wave some signs when it's close to the election and show up to the polls and tell people that you're running, and then, bam, you're a town councilman. And it's it's a you know it's the basics and most fundamental of our civic process is to to represent your town at the the council level. So right. he went out and when he first met people, did people have a positive or negative opinion of Mr. Dardar? Before he won the election, a positive one because he okay. put on that, you know, that that you know, that suit and he looked real nice. He'd come up and that little southern charm that he might have and he'd shake your hand and you know, tap you on the back and tell you how great you were and you know, you just thought, wow, this is a nice guy. One of the issues that Mr. Dardar first ran on was he talked about, he stressed ethics and he said to the newspaper that we need to insist that our government get tuned in to organizations such as International City City Management Association, which stresses ethics beyond approach. And he seems to be this guy that, okay, he supports ethics, and I think that's a ubiquitous, universal theme that we all support in government. We want to make sure that our elected officials and the organizations and the, the all elements of government are ethical, and people are, are following the rules and according to the ethics policies that are written, and that they're doing the right thing, and they're you know they're not championing certain certain businesses over others or making money off of being an elected official. Now, of course, we know that these types of things happen. But Nigel also said that he would really want to see our chamber of commerce and our town government be more open to working together. But then it seems like when he was in office, that there he created a wedge between himself and the rest of the council members and Mayor Murphy. And sort of and sort of began creating a us versus them mentality when in reality there was nothing like that. It was just Nigel against the world and he concocted all of these goofy conspiracies and he made up <laughs> yep. I mean, literally promulgating fake news out to people, accusing people of these horrible uh, just nefarious things as, as elected officials. I mean besmirching I've heard him before, over and over again, talk to people, besmirching Dan Murphy. And if anybody's ever met Dan Murphy, and I have a few times because I once attended a Hancock Rotary meeting in which Dan Murphy was there and a close friend of mine, Debbie Cohill, who has done tremendous work yep. on behalf of the the town of Hancock. And, you know, I do think she's one of Hancock's angels, and and I don't say that using any snark. I think she's a, a person who has done so much good in a community and has pushed that community miles ahead. And Nigel is trashing these people who have rep uh, uh, you know, these reputations that are, as he likes to say, beyond reproach. So what gives? What's the deal? Why is he trashing all these good people? I think there's something mentally wrong with him. <laughs> I mean, I can assure you that under a Dan Murphy's administration, I mean, we were, I mean, on the on the ball with everything. I mean, we never even, I don't even think it came into a mindset of somebody doing something unethical. And how he got that into his mind, God knows, I don't, who knows? I mean, it just, it just started going rampant. And it just, you know, the emails and the phone calls that he would make, and it just, 
you could you, you just you, you almost wanted to pull your hair out of your head because he was that dis- disillusional. I mean, he was off the charts. Wow. And I mean, it's honestly, Ryan, it's scary. I feel bad for the people of Hancock that have to deal with him now on an everyday basis because, I mean, it was it was nerve wracking, and I was you know I am one of the ones that had a restraining order against him. Oh, okay. Was, so let's let's yeah. talk about let's back up and talk about that. You used the word restraining order, and you yeah. said you had a restraining order against Nigel Dardar. Is that in the legal sense? Was that in a well, it was, it was what, more of a restrictive, talk. I should say more of a restrictive order, because, uh, or I think a restraining order, you have to actually go to the court and do. I did one through the right. town of Hancock, sent it, obviously, to the state police, the, you know, the local sheriff's department, and also, you know, you know, obviously Hancock Police Department had to have it and all that. And I also had to send one to Nigel. Mm-hmm. And, okay. <clears throat> so it was basically a paper that says he was not allowed in my business, wasn't allowed on my property, and my other con- my other uh, letter that I had to send him was a no contact because he would send me either emails or he would go by my shop making facial expressions and blowing kisses at me. I mean, the guy was a whack job. <laughs> yeah, tell, let's let's talk about that story. We we talked yeah. offline and over the phone that you you have a bicycle shop and it mm-hmm. goes down a. And you're close to the canal, and yep. you said that at one point Nigel was either driving or walking down the street of where you have the shop, blowing you kisses. We're talking about a grown yep. man who is yep. either at the time, I think in his late 60s, <clears throat> yep. and someone who boasts of his above-average business acuum, somebody <laughs> who boasts that he's had this magnificent career in marketing – and that he's yeah. Mr. Business Expertise that is acting in a way that would suggest that he is not fit to serve in the office to which he held. Right. I mean, he um, would try. So, I mean, go ahead. So he he came down. He's blowing you. It's almost embarrassing <laughs> to talk about. He's yeah. blowing you kisses. I know, it is. It's very, what, I mean, the, my street was about? on Pennsylvania Avenue. It was South Pennsylvania Avenue. I had my house. And so it was separated by 10 feet, and then was the bicycle shop. And between those 10 feet was a fence. So, was, and that was the only two, really, two buildings on that street. The bank was on the corner of the street, and um, it was between the rail trail and the CNO canal. And the only reason why you'd come down my street was either to come down my street, or if you either wanted to make a left-hand turn to go to on Canal Street to either go to the one house that was that was across the way, or the or the or Zimmerman's auction house, or if you made a right. Either would go down to the boat ramp, so you would continue down Canal Street, and you, there was like one or two houses down there. So really, it was, you know, there was no purpose for him to come down that street as many times as he did per day. And I would estimate between 10 to 12 times a day, Monday through Sunday. Wow. And you At know, this point, it'd be did, one thing. Go ahead. Did Nigel have a job? Was he working full time other than as a town councilman? He uh, he did have a job, and I think he was working for Staples in the warehouse. Okay, so so then Staples you got to question in- you got to question his marketing degree. If he was such a great marketer, why is he working at a warehouse pulling pencils and erasers? Well, that's a good question. I mean, and that's <laughs> if 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 Nigel dialed dialed into the show now, which I don't think that he will, because um, now we've invited him 
Um, yeah. To to a, but I I think that someone like Nigel who likes to talk tough in person doesn't necessarily want to actually confront somebody when they when they call them to the carpet. So that's right. that's what I've noticed about him. So this is all happening while you are getting this legal injunction or this this order that is now endorsed by the police department mm-hmm. uh, while you were a sitting councilman and working with him is that correct well this this actually happened after i be, after i was a councilman okay so after you as left the council both, yeah or as soon as you know my term was up that's when all the trouble really really hit with him doing what he was doing. Okay. So he's he's doing this this weird stuff. And did you ever say to yourself, "All right, I I know that he has some political disagreements with me, and he's he and I have gone back and forth in the council at town hall." Okay, this is just political. But have you ever come to the point where you said to you and now you're you're married and you have children? Is that correct? I have two boys, yeah. Okay, you have two boys. You told me something the other night that really sort of hit me hard because, yeah. you know, we have two young kids as well. Yeah. And you said something to me that I had to step take a step back and say, "Oh my gosh, if I put my shell, if I put myself into Dennis's shoes, what would I do?" And you said that you were truly worried about the safety of your children. Yeah. That concerned well, me. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, after um, I, we didn't talk about it, but at one time, this is when it all started. Is when I was when I was out of town, and I got a phone call from my two of my friends, and they witnessed Nigel climbing the fence of my that was between the bike shop and the house. You know, and God knows what he was going to do. You know, he's climbing over the fence. I think he was probably trying to take pictures or something. Hmm. By the time my buddy turned around, him and his wife you know, got back to his car, or he was walking briskly to his car while my buddy pulled up and asked him what was going on. And, of course, Nigel gets nervous. He starts stuttering and all that. Well, I get contacted by my buddy saying, you know, this happened. And so I end up calling the chief of police and talking about what was going on to him and all that. And my son, Charlie, who at the time was nine, overheard me. And I didn't know it was, you know, that he was that close by. And I feel bad because I should have been a better father than knowing, but I was so upset about what was happening and then I noticed that year, and excuse me if I get a little choked up on this, because it still bothers me to this day. Oh, please. I, when, I totally you know, understand. When he first, you know, we live in a town here that's about 20,000 people. And obviously, there's more going on here than it would be in Hancock. You know, it's a good, safe city, but it's got definitely more crime. When my son Charlie goes to bed, he goes straight to bed, you know. Or, you know. When he came down to Hancock that year, I was sitting in the living room. We were watching TV, and it was time for Charlie to go to bed. And I saw him get up, and I saw him walk to the back door to check to see if it was locked. Saw him go to every single window in that house to make sure it was locked. And he walked to the front door and make sure that was locked. And that really bothered me as a father because I'm supposed to be the protector of the household. And here my 9-year-old can't sleep at night because he's scared to death to go to sleep because there's a strange man climbing over a fence to do whatever, whatever, you know. And it really bothered me, and it just—that's when it was. That was. That's when I was pretty much done with you know trying to reason with Nigel at all. I mean, it was just I'm going to do whatever I have to do to protect my family. 
if I ever see him on my property, you know, it's not going to be very pleasant for him. You know, just I'm done with him. I'm, you know, when you scare my wife, you scare my kids, especially my, especially my boy, because he knew he was old. He was young enough to not know, but he was old enough to know what was going on. And you know, that just tore my heart apart. You know, when he he should not be wanting to check the front door, the back door, and the windows to make sure they're locked. And he did that every single night, Ryan, when he was down in Hancock, every single night. And you know, like I said, it still bothers me to this day. That he had to live through that, you know, and he shouldn't, well, have, you know, he shouldn't have had to deal with that. That's a natural reaction for any parent to experience, and you know that's not—it's not fair to your son, to anybody that's that's close to you to think that you have someone living in a small town like that, and then who is elected to serve the public right. would act in a manner that would be threatening or to bother a nine-year-old, uh, you know, to, to cause duress for a nine-year-old boy. And right. I mean, that, that's horrifying. I, I would imagine that if, you know, I think of our own, we have a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old and I've been in politics and we've, you know, we, we know what that entails and it can be rough and, and, and tumble sometimes. And it's, it's it's not always it's not always pleasant when you're dealing with or interacting with certain people, but I got to tell you, your first natural instinct, always and invariably, is to protect your kids, especially from, and and you shouldn't have to. That's the point. You shouldn't yeah. have to protect your children from a man who is in his sixties, who served on a town council, who was elected to uphold uh, the the values of the town, and then for whatever bogus political reasons that he manufactured or concocted in his own mind, that he's going to come on your own property and start looking in your, you know, climbing over fences and doing some really weird stuff. That's just, that's not right. It's bizarre. And now this guy is running for office again. And, 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 and they're supposed, the town of Hancock has to make a choice on January the 30th. That's the election. And they have to look seriously at Nigel and his, uh, and you know, not so distant past behaviors. Right. And this is not in judgment, but I think that it's important to to make a fair representation that this is a guy that would be charged with a very important responsibility as being the mayor of town. I mean, he is the public face of Hancock. And Dennis, if you know, you're you're looking from the outside now, and you're over in Ohio. If Nigel Dardar were the public face of the town of Hancock, I mean, how, how would that go over? I think it would be horrible, and I'll give you my reason why. For right off the bat, Nigel's repeatedly have said multiple times how he wanted to fire this person and this person and this person. I think the town would bankrupt in lawyer fees alone because he'd be firing people for no just cause for any. I mean, just for nothing because he didn't like that you said this at one time, or you might not have agreed with me here. I think he would do what he could to get rid of the people that he was in that office and in bringing, and I don't know why anybody would want to work for the guy. I tell you what, I wouldn't even want to work for a guy because he's creepy. I wouldn't want to be put in an office with him one-on-one, especially a female in an office, and Nigel in there. I mean, he just... Let's talk about, there's an incident that went down at the Hancock Visitor's Center. And there was a big uh, hubbub, so mm-hmm. to speak, of the the visitor center issue. And I read a story that 
Nigel was involved in, and then I read this was in the Herald Mail, and you told me about an incident, and I, and you know I verified all this, and and you told me about an incident where he was going in to the Hancock Visitor Center and harassing some of the employees, and I think it's fair to use the word harassing. Oh, and I would say it's, he, it's, yeah. the least, uh, yeah. And I've heard it from several other people. I've I've checked around and you know just verified all of the stories at, just just to cover my back as a yeah. as a citizen journalist. And people have told me that he would come into the 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 Hancock Visitor Center and just just raise hell for no reason. Yeah, and exactly. he would he would harass the employees. Um, he would disparage people that uh, that would walk in. He would make these outlandish accusations to people who would come inside. And at one point, it just got to be w- entirely overwhelming for the employees. Right. And you said that one of its employees, um, Marion, is that correct? Marion Golden, yeah. Marion Golden, who I've heard of before, and I heard that she's a real treasure of Hancock, and that everybody <laughs> sure is. is just really loves this person, and yep. very sweet, nice person has has done a lot to support the town of Hancock and the role at the visitor center. And you said that if someone like Marion Golden dislikes Nigel Dardar as vehemently as she does, then there must be a serious, serious problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what happened? What happened at the, the visitors? Well, Dave Smith, the town manager, owned a building on, um, on Main Street where the visitor center is now. But before, it was just an empty building. We had an employee by the name of uh, Ted Weaver who worked there. And remember when the um, visitor center over there on Siding Hill closed down? Yes. The uh, Welcome Center? Well, oh, yeah. Ted, we- Ted-, Ted Weaver was in charge of, you know, he thought it was a great idea. Hey, let's move that stuff from there into Hancock in that empty building. Well, everybody was for it. Ted did his job. He was connected with, more, you know, more of the, uh, the people down in the city and all that. Got them to give all that material that was inside that building to Hancock. Everything was then set up. The workers worked real hard, putting it all up and all that. And if I'm a story, if I remember right, Dave, Dave Smith then contacted the county to have it inspected, you know, through, you know, handicap accessibilities. Uh, da- da- just, a, just parenthetically, Dave Smith is Hancock's town manager. Yeah, he's the town manager. Okay, go ahead. So he went did that. I believe that the county passed it. Well, Nigel, and this is when Nigel was a councilman. Okay, now we're going back to now he's a councilman. Nigel hated Dave. He contacted the state. The state sent down an inspector. And, of course, the person that showed up on that particular day was also a nasty person also. Started, you know, just not, you know, the, the, the three volunteers that we had there, one of them being Marion, you know, they were like, why, what, what are you guys doing? Why are you guys doing this? She goes, you know, we're... It's all been passed and all that. Can you give us a sheet of paper, you know, showing us what do we need to do? And the guy looked at her and said, I don't think you can comprehend it. Wow. So that made them all upset. So the guy leaves, and then word comes down that Nigel is the one who contacts the state. Wow. So we found out, and it was true that Nigel is the one who contacted the state, and they sent down the inspector. So when Nigel came in one day, started shooting off, you know, walked in. Of course, the people there were like, Nigel, why would you send the state down here? You know, we're now we're in, can't, we can't open up now because the door supposedly was not the right width or whatever it was and something really silly. And uh, Nigel snapped. Wow. He literally snapped. 
started yelling at him and all that, waving his hands, waving his arms all over the place. It got to the point where Marion ended up calling the police. Police came down. Of course, Nigel was gone then, you know. So I guess they went and talked to Nigel after they found out where he was at and all that and, you know, got everybody's story. Well, the next council meeting, here's Marion and the three people. And it's tough in a small town. It's tough to find volunteers, but when you get them, <laughs> yeah. you want to keep them. I mean, sure. it's great. And the people that we had working there were phenomenal. I mean, they were yeah. – they enjoyed it. I mean, it it was amazing how well they took to it and all that. And now we've got three, probably the only three that we had at the time. They're not going back to work if Nigel's coming is allowed to go back in the building. So we had to basically, we voted in council that we had to bar him from the visitor center. He wasn't allowed in there or we'd lose our volunteer help. So let me, let me see if I work, can understand. <laughs> let me see if I can understand this correctly. You might not be able to, but do your best. <laughs> I'm going to try to apply some okay. logic and reality to this situation. You're saying that a sitting town councilman went yep. over and bullied members of the Hancock Visitor Center and subsequently contacted the state to investigate said Hancock Visitor Center without even notifying the council or the town manager and then was told not to come back to the Hancock Visitor Center. Is that what I'm understanding? Well, no. You're, no, the, what was happening is Nigel went in after the state inspector and admitted to them that he's the one who called the state. Okay. And then the, the Marion and the two volunteers said, why would you do that? I mean, we're, we're ready to open. We're ready to get going here. And that's when he snapped. And then... <laughs> So what the did he think was going on? What was that? What did what did Nigel think that was so awful that was happening over at the visitor center? He hated Dave Smith. Okay. That and, was the reason. And, there, there was no reason other than he hated Dave Smith, and he was probably crossing his fingers, hoping that the state would find something, and they found something petty. So this so was I, a political witch hunt. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So – I mean, you could make the case that he almost abused taxpayer dollars by engaging in politics. That's not even – yeah, that's absolutely correct, and there's other other stories too that he did that in taxpayer's dollars too. Absolutely. I saw earlier this week there was an article in the newspaper. They had a town hall get-together, uh, meet mm-hmm. a, a – I don't want to say a debate, but a forum, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. But Nigel, of course, turned it into a debate, and during the forum, sparks flew between Dr. Savagno, who's also running for mayor. It's Nigel's competitor. Mm -hmm. And and so apparently Nigel had made some remarks against (laughs) uh, Dr. Savagno, and it was just – it was not supposed – they were supposed to talk about the town issues. What's most important, you know, about these, I don't want to say boring, but municipal issues are sort of mundane, and they're, they're, they're not always the most interesting things. But you're supposed to there to assess the candidates based upon their, their plan and strategic plan for the town for the next four years, but that didn't happen. Instead, Nigel attacked him for some bogus political – with bogus political accusations. Right. And then following that, which – I posted the story a few days later after that town hall forum. 
Nigel wrote this incoherent, rambling word salad of an email to several different people, copied state and county officials, sent it to different members of the council, Dr. Savagno, and, you know, I'm reading this thing, and it's hard to read, but as you're reading it, you're you're thinking, is this guy in his right mind? Is, Is this... Is this someone that should be entrusted with the responsibilities of being mayor of of a town? And you saw the you saw the email. I yep. saw the email. Thousands of people have seen this email now that I've posted it, and which gives a better window into the mind of what this guy is thinking. This is not an email that someone under normal circumstances would have written. This is not normal. Nothing about that email was normal. And Dennis, I want you to talk about that. What yeah. what what was that all about? Well I can tell you since two thousand and nine that's pretty much most of his way his emails are. <laughs> I mean, he'll write to every delegate senator in the state of Maryland and he, of course he'll usually put in the county county commissioners and all that. Yeah. And he would just – it just get to the point where – at first, his first emails in 2009 and maybe the earlier years when he was writing, the whole email was written in capital letters. <laughs> I mean, was was just bizarre. And it just – and you and we would get response back from these people like, hey, don't have this – don't you know, stop having this guy do it. And we're like, we, we're not doing it. Yeah. You know, he's doing it on his own, on his own time. And, of course, you can see on these emails what time he does it. He does it like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., you know, 2.30 a.m. I mean, he does it – you know, he's – He's that delusional. And I would say uh, this email here that you're talking about, of all the emails I've received, I would say this is probably in the top three that I've seen that's on the creepiness side. Yeah. But it doesn't surprise me because I've never seen a I, – I, th- I cannot ever remember a coherent email that he's ever written. And it's even scarier when you see his written notes. If you think the emails are bad, wait till you see his written emails. Or not his emails, his written handwriting Letters that he would mail to people. Yeah, let's talk about oh, that. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this email that he wrote. Um, sure. So he 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 had he he wrote an email to a a, a sitting town councilman, uh, Levi Little, and um, I don't know too much <clears throat> about Levi, but from what I understand, he's a great guy, and his wife, I believe, is a a deputy sheriff at at the Washington County. It's a great family. Everybody mm-hmm. that have in Hancock that I've spoken with have commented that the little family or the all American family, great people all around. And he starts out this email the other night that was um sent on Tuesday, January the seventeenth. Right. <laughs> and notice the timestamp at four thirty two AM. I don't know about you, Dennis, but I'm not up at four thirty two AM sending emails. <laughs> I don't For even. Sure, either am I. Yeah, I mean, and I I don't wake up. I mean, I wake up usually every day around six o'clock um, in the morning, but it doesn't really take me. It takes me about a good hour, an hour and a half to wake up. I have to have coffee, and uh, you know, I go. It, we have a um, uh, exercise equipment down in down down in the basement, so I get up and and watch the news while get you know running on the treadmill, whatever. Um, so I'm not even awake until really eight o'clock and sometimes thereafter. Uh, so this guy's writing this email at 4:32 AM and look, he's, he's like 70, 69, 70. And, and I remember my grandparents and he's, 
they used to get up at like some ungodly hour of the morning and do what they have to do. Um, but you shouldn't be writing emails at 4.30 in the morning unless it's absolutely pertinent to uh, – Something you know, catastrophic happened. Something catastrophic, right? You know, wait until about eight o'clock to send an email like this. But you really shouldn't be up at, at that time, especially right. when you're a candidate for town office. Come on! So he sends this to Ralph Savagno. He sends it to Mike Lewis, uh, Dan Murphy, uh, Wayne Kiefer, who was a county commissioner, Kirk Downey, who's the uh, one of the county attorneys, and then State Senator George Edwards and State Delegate. Mike McKay, uh, and it's just really weird. And he said, so he challenges Ralph Savagno to a, in all caps, a full and lengthy debate, two hours, uh, as Mike Lewis as the of the Herald Mail as a witness. And he goes on to say to Levi Little, a Hancock councilman who has the Obama haircut, who attempts to project the appearance of a quote unquote person who represents all. H- Hancock citizens who has the Obama fancy words and the Hillary fancy words. Um, and then he goes on to say that you're welcome to go look into any dot, 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 Christian Bible, dot, 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 and see if they <laughs> kept the Ten Commandments. I mean, and this is just this rambling, incoherent, grammatically scrambled email that there's no context whatsoever. And it's just like the 4.30 a.m. musings of a madman. So I'm trying to understand what this is even about. It looks like he's mad at, at Levi Little. I don't know what beef that he has with Levi Little, but later in this email, Levi Little sends this you know, very kind of curse but stern, however dignified response, basically saying, look, Nigel, you're, you're sort of embarrassing yourself and these childish attacks telling – the very respected Dr. Savagno to pull up his little boy pants, and yeah. Levi just says, "Look, this is immature. Come on, man. You're, you know, you're, you're attacking people of the Methodist and Episcopal Church, and we'll talk about that here soon." But then yeah. he, you know, Levi gives basically says, "Look, you know, this is some self-reflection, and here's some friendly advice. Stop acting like this if you want to be taken seriously." And it's true; it's great advice. Why is he doing this? I mean, did he think that – I mean, emails your, your emails these days are just not private. And if you send it to – right. especially if you send it to a reporter, and especially if you send it to anybody in the town, people are going to read this stuff. And then right. I think it's fair to, to say that they're going to cast judgments based upon the way, number one, that you write, and number two, the context of the email. If I received an email as a town councilman like Levi Little and I saw this, I would be like, what the hell is this? Why am I wasting my time with this guy? And this is somebody who essentially wants to serve alongside me. What does that say to the town townspeople of Hancock? I mean, this guy is clearly off of his rocker. I, I don't understand well, it. Well, you got to give a lot of credit to Levi for even writing oh, the response yeah. back that he did, because in my opinion, I just wouldn't even re- either responded or I just obviously mine wouldn't have been as nice. But Levi wrote a great email back to him, like trying to trying to reason with him, and he already knows what kind of person he is. So you got to give Levi a lot of credit for holding it together with this email. But to answer your question on, you know, Ryan, who knows what is in that mind between those two ears, if there's anything. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, when I keep repeating myself, it's mental. There's something mentally wrong with this guy, and he's a danger to society. So I noticed that he referred to 
uh, Councilman Little as um, something about oh the Obama haircut and yeah. the the projection of Hillary fancy words Hillary, Obama fancy words. So clearly, it looks like that he's a, a a very conservative person, somebody who dislikes President Obama. Former, I should, I I don't want to say, I should say, former President Obama now. Um, and yeah, he's he's he has a clear, very right wing ideology to him. I know that from personal experience. Um, but I think that's besides the point. I mean, that's fine. I'm 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 a libertarian. Um, I'm I was critical of President Obama, um, in many aspects. Uh, but that's you know my my politics have really nothing to do with municipal politics. But it seems like that Nigel's politics have really carried over. To, and he wants to impress upon the people of t- and uh, and the town of Hancock um, right. his sort of this this ideology. But as we know, municipal government is not governed by a stringent ideology. That's not how things work. I mean, we're talking about making sure that our our sidewalks are are kept, that our sewer system is running effectively, that our roads are paved. That town governance, that are that everything is running on time and effectively, and you're spending the taxpayers' money accordingly. This, there's, you know, there's, I just don't think that there's a whole lot of room for this strict ideology. Now, look, I think most people in Hancock are relatively conservative individuals. Um, some aren't, and some are, but it, does it really matter, Dennis? No, it does, doesn't. Does, yeah, I mean. I mean I've always said sometimes your your local politics are more important than your federal politics because, like you said, you want to make sure when you turn on your water faucet, water's coming out of it clean. You want to make sure that your trash gets picked up on time. Right. You want to make sure your taxes are within reason, and you want, like you said, you know, snows. You want the streets plowed and all that. That's right. that's what you're looking for. You're looking for peace of mind, and your so when you come home from work, it's it's a great day, you know. Yeah. And he throws this stuff in here, and it's like, where are you coming yeah, look. from? And, and speaking of snow, Hancock has a hell of a lot of hills, and so, <laughs> so you want you want you want things to work on time, and you want the snow plowed, you want the roads to be paved, and you want you want local government to work accordingly, and you want to make sure that your your town councilmen are looking out for its citizens, and that they're protecting their tax dollars, and that you're holding government accountable and being ethical, and and not only that, you're attracting people to the town and Making sure that you know businesses are, are are being heard, that the concerns of the people are always being heard. That's the point. And you're right. There's, I, I know a lot of people who work in municipal government that they don't talk about issues like abortion, which uh, <laughs> right. It's sad. I mean, but in so, email, like you said, yeah, yeah. So he talks about. I'm just scrolling down, and he's talking about like he wants to know where somebody stands on. Abortion, like that's not an issue that local government has any control of whatsoever. And right. quite frankly, if if somebody came out in a town forum, uh, a councilman or a mayoral candidate, and started muttering about their position on abortion, I would be concerned that they don't understand their fundamental role. Because quite frankly, Dennis, I don't care where you stand on abortion when you're a local town councilman. I just right. don't. Right, and I would assume most under- people are agreeing with you. Yeah, I, I and you know, and some people may disagree. That's fine, but yeah. I'm just saying that he wrote this long diatribe that said at the very start of our 
hoped-for debate, you or whoever you chose can tell the audience the views of you and Ralph on abortion, on late-term abortion, on females having two, five, ten, twenty unlimited abortions, no matter at what point the pregnancy might be, America already knows that Hillary and Obama have already answered that question. And it's just like, Nigel, you're running for mayor of Hancock, Maryland. You have no influence on the state of abortion in America. Yeah. You know, right. you could you know, okay, you 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 just voted for Donald Trump presumably and you can make a case that whatever politics happen at a national level would have a more immediate effect on 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 that critical decision, but really that's not an issue that should ever come up during the a town council debate unless, you know, you have a planned parenthood clinic that wants to move inside of the town of Hancock, then I can understand that, but that's right. not happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm lost for words on this one, on this, on this right here. I just don't even know why he was even going there. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't have an answer for you on this one because I just, this is everyday him. I want to talk to you about Nigel's relationships with some of the local churches. I, 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 I don't, I've been to church before at um, the Episcopal Church. Um, my, my good friend and and mentor and just longtime close family friend, uh, Father Alan Weatherholt, um, and I, who I think you know, and, and his wife, yep. Ann Weatherholt, truly yep. wonderful people who've Absolutely. lived in Hancock for, for a long time that do so much for the community and are just truly wonderful, godly people that I respect tremendously. And I used to, um, I, you know, back in when I was in high school, and 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 even afterwards, I would occasionally go up to um, the, the Father Allen's church, and I knew some of the people up in Hancock that w- attended that church, and I just knew that what a close knit group of people they are. And Nigel's had a rocky relationship with some of the churches up that way, and he's disparaged the church. He's been to several different churches. My understanding is, I mean, that's a big portion of the community, I believe you went to the Methodist Church, is that correct? Yes, me and my wife and oh. my two boys went to the Methodist Church there on Main Street. And what was his issue with the church, at the Methodist Church? Honestly, I really don't know. I think a lot of it had to do was because Dan Murphy was a member there, <laughs> and Dan was a well obviously he's well-respected in the community, and that including the church, and mm-hmm. I, if I had to take a guess, I think it was more of a, you know, you know, people are going to stand up for Dan Murphy, and you know, and that's a place that you don't even bring politics into. You know, that's, of course, that's, people don't want to go to church and hear you, you know, hear your campaign politics. slogan and all that. And and I yeah. think, you know, I think he didn't get a well, let's just say, a warm welcome to that. And I think he then decided to go somewhere else. I have a a friend that's a that. I, I won't mention him by name, but um, he's he's also a very God-fearing man, a good guy that is involved with the church. And he wrote me a, a, a note, and like I said, I'm not going to mention his name because it wouldn't be sure. fair. Uh, he just said that Mr. Dardar is a very unhinged person and that they interacted at their church and that he left and it was unpleasant and that – He's a sick guy, and he even said that 
that he doesn't un, he doesn't know if he's capable of harming someone, but he is nuts, and to watch my back, pretty much. Um, I've had some run-ins myself with with Nigel, and he is he he does not like me. I've challenged Nigel before. I've you know we've interacted together. And the first interaction, I, I, I have to tell you, was, was pleasant. I saw him. He was volunteering at the time back in 2014 for Dan Bongino, yeah. uh, who ran for U.S. Congress in the 6th District. And uh, Nigel was helping him find sign locations and put up signs. And I saw Nigel. He was, at, he was walking around handing out business cards at the – um, the Ag Fair down down in um, right outside of uh, Sharpsburg, right. So he was down there and was politicking. And I think Nigel has this attraction to politics, whatever it might be, and that's fine. He's civically engaged. But he, when I first talked to him, Dennis, he was very nice, and I thought, yeah. oh, this is a this is a nice guy. He's just uh, he's a little kooky, right? You know, he's kind of yeah. you're just like, eh, all right, he's. But he's a nice. He, I thought, okay, this is a nice guy that really kind of cares and has this point of view, and he's passionate about it, and I respect that. But then, when he started, he started working for Terry Baker's congressional campaign, and Terry Baker gave it a great run, and he did a good job. But he associated with himself with Terry Baker, and he was on the circuit. Like Terry, I don't think. I, I think when you said earlier, you made a comment that. When you have volunteers, you don't want to lose them because in any town organization or in a political campaign, it's hard to find people that want to come out and help you, right? But it's right. but sometimes you get people like Nigel with nothing else better to do, and then he shows up and starts ripping Terry's opponents. And Terry wasn't really someone that wanted to go on the offense against his opponents. That's not the kind of guy that Terry is. He wanted to run a good, clean campaign on issues that he was that he cared about, and Nigel was unsolicitedly making these comments on behalf of Terry at various Republican events, Dennis, yeah. and he was embarrassing him, and he was attacking yeah. Terry's opponent. And I talked to Terry Baker's campaign manager, Jerry DeWolf, at the time, and this was two years ago. They had to yank Nigel the hell off the campaign trail and say, look, you can't be doing this kind of stuff. Um, and I've called him out about that before. And then he's, and I just want to mention, there's a school board member that is in the process of being kicked off of Washington County school board. Her name's Karen Harshman. Nigel has attached himself to Karen Harshman. It's sort of interesting. Oh yeah. She's, she accused. Oh yeah. She accused teachers of, um, of being sexual predators, um, and then she failed to report that information to the superintendent and refused to hand over names. So it's a big scandal in Washington County, and then she is in the process of being going through an administrative hearing to determine whether she's going to be thrown off of the Board of Education. Nonetheless, Nigel last year has connected himself with Karen Harshman, is a close ally and friend, is defending her, is going out and standing next to her in public – and she's like the least popular person in Washington County at this point. And it's sort of like these people magnetically attract that are just not the best people who should be in public office. 
And Nigel has gone around defending Karen Harshman, talking about what a wonderful person she is and doing all these wonderful things. And it's like, Nigel, what are you doing? You should not be associated with Karen Harshman. Um, More importantly, so, she shouldn't be associated with him. Well, she's she needs all the friends. <laughs> I understand she can where you're get. coming from, but yeah, well, maybe two peas in a pod there. <laughs> so there's a story um, uh, when I was covering for the blog, my blog, a minor detail. I was I was showing up to various Republican events, and um, I was I was recording different public forums and and events and whatnot, and so Nigel didn't realize that my fiance, she and I are, he, he, so he claims that we were together. So this was like a, a Friday afternoon at some point. And I think that they were connected through social media in some way. Um, and he asked my fiance, Kim, if he wanted to, if, if they could talk to one another. Right. If, if, and, and Kim was like, okay, right. Okay. So she tells me about this and, and I'm, and, and and she puts him on speakerphone. <laughs> I'm like I'm listening in the background. So he talks to her about for 20 minutes, basically trash talking me, saying, oh, "Yeah, I'm a horrible person. I'm this and that." And 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 then suddenly realizes during mid conversation, he goes, "Oh, are aren't you together with Ryan Miner?" Or and he and he makes the point to say, "Aren't you cohabitating or living oh, with?" And God. he's like, "I don't want to." judge your situation, but aren't you doing this? And and then Kim's like, yeah, I, I know exactly. She's like, Nigel, you know, you've seen Ryan and I together. You know who I am. You, you know what I'm talking about. So then he hangs up on her, right? He's like, well, I've said too much. I'm going to hang up now. Like, what, what kind of person does this weird stuff? And Nigel Dardar. Um, <laughs> Nigel Dardar. And he yeah, has... I mean... <laughs> so... You know, okay, so just just thinking about all of this stuff and putting it into perspective, and now that you are on the outside of the town, you're back in Ohio, and you're watching this from afar, you know, what message do you have for the people, the voters of Hancock, um, before they go to the polls when they decide who to elect as their next mayor? It should be uh, no question of doubt. It should be your check mark should be going next to Dr. Ralph Savano for mayor. I mean, if you put your check mark next to Dardar, you're part of the problem. I mean, the town runs smoothly when Dan was there for 20 years. It'll run smoothly with uh, Dr. Savanio as mayor and the city council that they have in place right now. There's no doubt in my mind they're doing the best they can, and I know they're doing a good job, and they're good people. That's part of the reason why I'm doing this interview, because even though I'm not there anymore, I still have uh, I still have feelings for Hancock. I, I mean, we know my family's here now, and we're, we're here, but I've, I've always loved Hancock. I never thought of it as an outsider when, from the day I stepped into that town. And I just want to see the people, you know, I want to see them, you know, be happy and, you know, get their street snow plowed and their water turned on and all that. And it's, it's really important to me that I just, I just want to make sure that they know the message that what kind of person he is and even if it's not even at voting, if you're just standing in the grocery store and he's running behind, he's right behind you, get out as quickly as you can because God knows what's going to happen. You know, wherever, if you see him and he wants to talk to you, walk away. Leave him alone. He's psycho. He's mental. Um, but I really, my message is just, you know, you know on, on election day, go put your check mark next to Dr. Savano and, you know, and, and 
live in peace because you know you did the right thing. <laughs> well, I'm, I, you know, I think this is important to have this conversation. You have a you know, front row seat to the antics to him, and I think it's important that people hear this story, understand who they're voting for, because you, as you know, many people in town elections, they know the name, and they say, oh, I've seen this guy out and about, and he, he might be a nice guy, but they don't know too much about him. And that's fair. That's fine. And and you know, as a candidate, you you have to go out and make people aware of your positions. But I do think that most people in Hancock, from my understanding and from all that I hear, that people know who Nigel is. They know what he wants to do. They know his behaviors and his quirkiness and some of the stuff that he's done. And I think it's important that that this story be told because if they end up in the wrong choice and they put this guy into office and you give someone like Nigel an inkling oh. of power, it's going to be a yeah. mess, man. It's yeah, going to be absolutely. a mess. So I, I, I would be, I'd be horrified if that was the case. Even though I'm here, I, I would, I would just be so depressed that they, knowing that he's there, that my friends have to deal with him and, it would just be it just would be a sad day well i i'm I'm glad I brought you on, and I know we belabored the points and i'm i'm but the story is needed to be told, and I'm sure there's many more that oh my gosh. I, I, right. there's a lot the only there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. and you know I want people to understand that bringing you on the show this is you know it's not a political vendetta i'm not a <laughs> this is a story about no and i and I can hear that, and you and I have talked. <laughs> For I'd say almost an hour uh, between conversations and through Facebook, and we've connected. And I don't. I, this doesn't. I mean, it's not where you're gonna. You're, you're coming out to say, oh, well, I got to get this guy back for whatever. No, I think it's. I mean, this is a, a a warning to people that you you don't want this kind of governance in in your town. And let me ask you this: They don't vote this guy into office. He leaves. What's going to happen? Does he go away? Honestly, I don't think he does. I really don't think he does. I think he'll 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 do something else, but he'll be attached to that for some reason until I don't know until something happens. I mean, unless something he does something legally that you can say, you know, he can't show up anymore. I mean, that's yeah. the only thing. I mean, it's a, that's the sad part. You know, I know people have told me, many people have told me, like, I can't believe he's allowed to run. And I'm like, <laughs> either am I. I don't, I don't, but it is. I mean, he's allowed to run. He's allowed to, to do that. And, he, you know, they've heard the horror stories, too. And I just, like, can't believe that he's, I just, like I said, I just want the people to know, if that don't know, that who you're dealing with here. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe if if he gets 10 votes and, Maybe he'll the light bulb will light up there and say, you know, I'm done, you know. But I'm I'm afraid that we're we'll be doing this two years from now. Dennis, I'm a big believer that anybody can change if you want to change, and I I I hold out hope that if Nigel Dardar does not succeed, that he puts his passions to positive energy to support the town and and stop trying to cast aspersions on the town of good people. I mean, I know these people yeah. in Hancock, they're good people. This is not where you go out and if there was something there, if there was an actual there there, and there's a hook that 
that Dan Murphy and the council members were unethical, or right. if you know, to if if they're fundamentally indecent or bad people and they have the wrong perspective for the town of Hancock, or they're or they're pushing the town in the wrong direction, or they're spending too much money, or they're abusing taxpayer dollars in some way, but none of that is happening. Right. They've the town is under good leadership. They have an excellent town manager, and 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 Dave. I I I don't know Dave personally, um, but I know that he's done a great job from by all accounts. Yep. Um, and you know, as the guardian of taxpayer dollars, people are getting their money's worth, and so these witch hunts and this negativity. And this guy is just all encompassing negativity. He's, it's consuming, and that's not what the things that we should be talking about. And, and this election yep. is important because, you know, after 20 years of Dan Murphy being the mayor, you're you're choosing, I don't want to say a new direction, but you're still choosing a new leader. And sure. it's important that 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 Hancock gets it right. And and please, anybody who's listening, I I don't want you to think that I'm I, I speak for Hancock because look, I've never paid one iota of a tax dollar to the town. Um, but I am a consumer of Hancock's uh, businesses. I like to frequent there. I've taken my family there. We still go there as much as we possibly can. We love spending time in the town and all that it offers. We love going to the town's various events they hold throughout the year, uh, to the park, to the canal, and you know, to park and dine, to uh, to you know, to I get to the, um, the the restaurants in town, to the churches. Uh, we don't get there really much, but I'm just saying that we, sure. we like to go there and spend time. I don't speak for the town of Hancock. This is just a political show that we like to talk about local politics. And you have a guy that is running for an office who is unsound, that is not fit to be in that office according to all accounts. And that is why we're doing this show, and we have a former councilman on with us that can personally testify – to that issue. Uh, so I think we belabored this point. I think that, um, you know, we actually didn't talk about the other candidates, and I'm hoping that we can. Maybe I'm going to reach out to the other candidates and see if they'd be willing to, to well, talk about them. I hope yeah. they do come on because I think it'd be a good forum for them to get yeah. their message out. And Ryan, I would just like to say thanks for bringing me on board and all that. And You're you know, a good man, Dennis, and I'm, I'm glad we're connected. We we connected maybe someday, in this maybe someday we'll meet. <laughs> yeah, we'll sit down and 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 have a beer or so and uh, and chat about other other things in life than Nigel Dardar. Because look, when I go to bed at night, uh, the <laughs> the last thing on my mind is, should be Nigel Dardar. But I don't right. want this guy showing up to my house or uh, you know tracking me down because God forbid we've we've called him to the carpet. Look, right. here's the thing though. Um. I don't want this, you know, if if this turns out to be where after the show or after some of these articles where this guy is tracking me down and he's, you know, perpetuating his weirdness um in, in a way that manifests manifests itself into some physical altercation, I don't want that. Seriously, I don't want this guy showing up to my house or my job or anywhere else or close to my family bothering anybody of us because we dare to speak out against him. That's not the point. That's not what should happen here. It should be that, look, we are exercising our right to say something. This is a forum. 
And if Nigel wants to combat this, that's fine. Then, then he should, and he should put out a statement. But if not, I don't want to deal with this guy in a way that's going to creep me out. And I hope that right. doesn't happen. I really don't. I hope, I hope but, not either. But Dennis, you've you've experienced that, and I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to go through what you had to go through. Um, but you know, and if that does happen, just know that Nigel, we're going to fight back, man. This is not, you know. We're not we're not going to take that laying down. But uh, Dennis, it was a privilege and a pleasure to have you on the show tonight. I hope that uh, we have another opportunity to to talk again in the future. I'm sure we will. And just so folks know, there's going to be a podcast format after this show. So I turn every show into an MP3 format podcast that I put on Spreaker.com, and you can listen to this show um, in its entirety. So with that, um, Dennis Hudson, former Hancock Town Councilman, I really appreciate having you on tonight. It was a pleasure to talk and to chat, and uh, I wish you and your family all the best moving forward. Thank you very much, and you do the same. All right. Have a great night. You too. All right. So long. Wow, that was a, it was a pleasure to have Dennis on the show. Um, he's We had an opportunity to talk offline. We, we talked to... Mm, up to a couple hours, maybe less than that. I'm not sure, but you know, it's social media. So how do you gauge the the time that you put into this? Um, but we had an opportunity to have a chat and to discuss what's Mr. Dardar. But really, I, I, I'm hoping that Hancock's whomever that, that they decide to elect in these leadership positions that it's it's what's best for the town. And I keep saying this and over and over again. Hancock is a, is a great place to live. It's a great town. I spent many times – I spent, I would say, a sizable part of my childhood visiting this community, interacting with people, and and talking to people um, up in Hancock. And by the way, you got to try this place called Buddy Lou's. You really do. Have you been there? Buddy Lou's Restaurant on Main Street. I'm telling you, it's like the best food. Um, I've been there for a few meet and greets. This this food is like unbelievable. <laughs> um, good sandwiches, like pork. It's kind of like a southern style restaurant. I don't know. Maybe I'm mischaracterizing it, but and then of course Weavers, and then Park and Dine. When I was a kid, I used to go to Park and Dine up in Hancock, and they would have these deviled eggs. And deviled eggs are like they're not very healthy for you. I don't care. They're they're really good. They were so good. I sound like Trump. They're so good. They were so delicious. They were so bigly. I, so once again, Donald. Uh, Donald. I have Trump on my mind. We didn't even get to Trump. It's been he's been president for like forty eight hours now. We didn't even get the Trump. <sighs> Maybe we'll talk about him. But I don't know. I watched the morning shows, and I learned a new buzz phrase today. So if, if you ever want to combat somebody in an intellectual discussion and you don't know what you're talking about, I just want you to go out on the record and say, I have alternative facts. So just use that. So if you ever use the phrase alternative facts, 
I guarantee you, you may not win the argument, but you're going to certainly give a few people a couple of laughs. Um, so what else is going on? What else? Karen Harshman. Oh, that's going on. She is I'm, – I'm part of this witness list, and we talked about this earlier in the show. Uh, Karen Harshman has apparently created a witness list um, for her impending case before uh, her administrative hearing. She's going to be thrown off – she's probably going to be thrown off the Board of Education in Washington County, but they have to do this this um, this witness list where her, her sleazy attorney – Ira Cook. So, oh wait, somebody's calling in. Who's calling in? Who is calling? In? Hi, this is John calling from Hancock. Good, good. Oh, good hi, evening. John. Hey, John from Hancock. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I was a former employee of Dennis's. Went over there at the bicycle shop before I was diagnosed with cancer. I'm still recovering from the ravages of. Chemo radiation right now, but I I'm just wanted to, to congratulate you. No, I'm, I'm I'm hanging in there. I just wanted to congratulate you and for uh, bringing this front and center and having Dennis on. And he went through a living hell uh, those years up there. I had to uh, unfortunately witness uh, what he was going through and and actually stand guard over his place. Uh, because he was so scared that uh, Nigel was gonna was gonna do something, um, I wanted to 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 bring up a point. Uh, yeah, please, John. Mr. Dardar is is obviously I'm not a psychologist, but I'm a, I'm a retired Navy Chief Petty Officer, so that kind of makes me a junior psychologist in a way. That's sort of <laughs> what we end up as. Yeah. But uh, Nigel Dardar exhibits. Uh, all the classic symptoms of uh, narcissism and uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm having a senior moment here. Um, <laughs> you know, come to me in a second. But anyway, uh, his, he, his delusion of his own self-worth is, is his problem. And he, unfortunately, what's going to happen is he, there's going to be an incident and he is going to come unglued and we are going to be the uh, lead-off story, not only in Hagerstown, but all across the nation, of a, of a postal-type rampage by a lunatic, psychopath. That was what I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. And it, it's unfortunate that the way that the laws are set up now, that, we, that this, this man needs clinical help. He needs to be uh, under some kind of, of, of professional care, um, he needs to be medicated, and he needs to be supervised. And with that, wow. I, will, I will, I will, I will, I will leave that. Well, well, John, if you don't mind me asking, I and I appreciate you you calling in. This is important to have this discussion. And um, you still you're still a resident of Hancock, is that correct? Yes, I, I I'm, I'm still here and, until I. I, I if the cancer takes me, then I will probably be buried up on the hill. But so far, I'm, I'm hanging in there. <clears throat> well, first of all, God bless you, and thank you for thank you. for being part of the show. And my prayers are with you. I know, and ca- cancer is 
is no is is absolutely no fun. And I could and but the, the just cure know that is worse than the disease. Well, I I know that yeah. it it sounds like you're fighting it, and and it does sound like you're you're going to beat it. So I'm I'm our prayers are with you. Um, but Thanks. we we do we appreciate you calling in. And look, you live in this town. It's a it's a it's a wonderful place to live. But as I wrote, that every local community always seems to have that sort of that hayseed that kind of makes life a little bit less fun to live in. And we we call it. I grew up in a small southern town. It was the village idiot. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Do you still interact with Mr. Dardar? Have you seen him around? What's... I've had several run-ins with him, and I've, you know, I, I, I just put on my chief petty officer face and just tell him I do not want, you know, I'm not going to be involved with you. You know, do not talk to me. You do not want me to to sign out one of those. You know, I guess he's got a dozen restraining orders on various different citizens in this town. He doesn't want me, you know, being, you know, having to fill out one of those. He's left me alone. His... What do you think his issue is? Why does he want to disrupt a otherwise pleasant community? What's what's going on with this guy? I, like I said, I think it's his delusion of his self-importance. He's a psychopath. He thinks that he's you know the answer. To, yes, there are some problems here in Hancock. You know when they when the when the Fleetwood shut down, when we lost the Burlington coat. You know that that was a real uh, blow economically to this community. I mean, you can walk. You know, when I walked into this town literally in 2009 off of the CNO Canal Trail, I could tell that at once, you know, one time this was a very vibrant and thriving little community. It's sure. dying. It's in its death throes. I would not be surprised, you know, by 2050, that the only thing, the only remnant of this town will be the the uh, uh, the truck stop uh, where you know where the interstate diverges and 522 mm. intersects the, the, the town will cease to exist. Wow, wow! I mean, it's you know it's just you know. It, well, John, it's, let me it's, it's, let me ask you let me ask you this question. But with the light, mm-hmm. with with leadership in place, could could that be prevented? With with the right people managing well, the town, could that be they're, prevented? They're doing the best they can. It's the, the, a lot of the issues are at the national level, with all the and also at the state with all the regulations on small, you know, basically the the, the anti business mentality. And I'm hoping that you know, with the change of leadership, that you know, we'll we'll hopefully see, you know, some you know some relief in that category, and. You know, I guess you know. I I I, I, I lamented heavily when uh, Dennis, you know, announced to all of us that he was selling the business. And you know, one of, of course the main reason was Dardar it ran him off. But the other reason was he was just fed up with you know, all the nickel and dime BS uh, from the state and from the federal government yeah. on how to run his business. I mean, the city was you know was very you know Dan and. And you know, all them up there at City Hall were were very supportive. It was you know all this other stuff that was coming down, and you know we we lost uh, the the pet groomer here. She moved uh, over to I'm not going to mention name, but she moved over to Berkeley. She just got fed up with all the the, the regulations in Maryland. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, I mean, you know, there's been several other problem. businesses that have shut down here in town and, and you know, moved either to Pennsylvania or into to West Virginia because, you know, they, you know, they feel like they've got, you know, a stranglehold on them and they can't, you know, they can't, you know, they take one step forward and two back. And, you know, and, then the, and the hands are always in the pockets. <laughs> you know, and here's here's something that I want to let people know. And we people can listen to our show from all over the place, whether it be from Montgomery County, Maryland, where I live now, from Washington County, Frederick, mm-hmm. all over the state of Maryland. All some people listen even outside of the state of Maryland, and uh, we get people who've called in from all over the place and and look john this is what i want to impress upon people is that hancock maryland is a wonderful town it's a small it's a small town yes. but look you have the you have the visitor center you have the western maryland railroad silent hill uh you have the hancock museum um not so far away from hancock you have fort frederick paul paul tunnel you have all these wonderful places around hancock and not to mention you have some great restaurants in downtown Hancock. I love to eat. I'm a, yeah. I would say I, I love to eat, and I love to try new places to go. And if you ever stop at Hancock, you, like I said, you got to stop at Buddy Lou's. you got to stop over at yeah. Park and Dine. Um, Park and Dine, yeah. yeah. Whenever and, I go and to the are, VA hospital, I, that's where I meet the shuttle. So I'm always um, here recently now that I've got my taste buds back from the, from the radiation I'll have breakfast there before I head down. The Tina and the, and the, and the crowd up there, and the you food know, at the truck stop is not bad either. I've 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 been there, and look, you have, you have families, um, like the Pittmans. Um, you have the Blue Goose. I love going yeah. to that place. That is such a cool little market. That is a neat place, and I encourage anybody who's listening, and I'm sure most Hancock folks that live up there that. Uh, you know, and go to the Blue Goose. It's a great place. It's a, yeah. it's a neat I, little place. I'll, I'll share this with you. And this goes yeah. down really crazy, but the best no. fried chicken in town is at the ACT up there. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> I I'm agree not with kidding. You. It's the best fried chicken. And I, you know, I'm, from, I'm from the Deep South. I'm, I'm not a true Southerner, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I know my fried chicken. You know your fried chicken. Well, <laughs> I'll I tell you yes, what, that AC and T. Anywhere you go with AC and T is that the fried chicken is delicious it's all over the place. Um, yeah. So you know you gotta you gotta watch yourself because you can really overindulge. But um, yeah. yeah. But John, I, I'm I'm sorry to hear that you've had negative interactions with Mr. Darder. I have myself. Dennis has. Yeah. A lot of people have. You're a voter, and you're gonna go vote on January the 30th. Oh, trust so, me. Yes. What What do you want to tell people? Thing- well, just what you've been saying is, you know, from my going from my professional background, being in a, a, a professional military man, and then also I worked for the federal government when I retired. That man would have been re- relieved for cause for what he did that stunt he pulled up at the um, the, the visitor center. That was totally unprofessional. You know about that. You know about the incident. Oh, yes. You know, the whole, and, you know, I would love to, I'd love to share, I don't want to talk about some some stuff uh, online here, but there's some other things that have been going on that I, 
I would encourage you to to investigate. And, and you know, I, I think there's some truth. You know, some of it, you know, I haven't been able to substantiate. But when you, when the same story keeps popping up in conversation here and here and here, there's got to be a thread of truth to it. Hmm. So, well, and I will leave it. Like I said, because I don't want to talk about it, you know, online. You know. Um, I'll tell you what, John. When when we're offline, um, I'm I'll reach out and um, my I'll, what I'm going to do is I'll reach out through Dennis uh, and yes, we'll exchange. He has my phone number. He has my phone number and everything. Okay. I'd be more than happy to share it with. You. Yeah, I, I'll reach out through Dennis and then what I'll do is I'll give you a call. Um, hopefully sometime mm-hmm. tomorrow and we can and you and I can chat. But I really appreciate you you calling in yeah. and that. That means a lot to the show. That means a lot to me. Um, uh, and, I, I think you know, it means a lot to this community because the word needs to be getting out. You know, the, the, if we, if, and I think Dennis hit, hit on, really hit on the crux of the whole thing. If he gets into office, this town, nothing's going to, nothing's going to function because all, all it's going to be is a constant revolving door of employees that are going to come in and, you know, start the work, and then they either be fired or they'll just say, you know what, I'm not working for this crazy guy, and they quit. Yeah, that's not what we want. We want people – we want good leadership. We want strong leadership, and we want people that are going to work hard every day and not get anybody's faces, that aren't going to cast aspersions against anybody's character or make false representations against people. I've been there. I've been on the receiving end of Nigel Dardar's venom, and it's not pretty, but I'm going to stand up to him. That's what we do, and if I were in person, I would stand up to him. John, I appreciate the call. We'll be in touch, and um, thanks so much for for being part of the show. Thanks, buddy. So we're going to end the show on that note. We didn't get to the other topics tonight, but nonetheless, we had a great show. I appreciate Dennis Hudson, former Hancock Town Councilman. Being part of our show. Listen next week, always at 9 o'clock p.m. on Sunday evenings. My name is Ryan Miner. You're listening to A Minor Detail. Have a great week. Bye-bye.